Hello, my name is Alex. Welcome back to Season 3 of Peace Out Poverty, the podcast that discusses social issues in the Alberta Capital Region. In this episode, we're shining a light on a community often overlooked, yet brimming with incredible stories of resilience, strength, and unwavering spirit. The community of people living with disabilities in our city. Today, we're honored to have not just one, but two remarkable individuals joining us, each bringing unique perspectives on our topic. Part of the reason that this is such an important topic is that in 2019 to 2020, the Alberta Human Rights Commission compiled all of the systemic discrimination complaints in the province of Alberta and found that 30% of the complaints were from people with physical disabilities and 22% of the complaints were from people with a mental disability. So, when it comes to systemic discrimination in Alberta, we're looking at more than half of the complaints came from people with disabilities being treated unjustly in some form or another. Our goal today is to disseminate the knowledge of what you can do as a listener to be a helpful and compassionate ally to the disabled community. So whether you're tuning in from the heart of the Alberta Capital Region or from elsewhere, prepare to be inspired, moved, and enlightened. Let us begin. Let's get to our first guest, Donna Bedard, who will tell us a little bit about herself and her story. And this story hits close to home, especially for me because she is my mom. So for her to come on this podcast is very special for the both of us. Here she is. Hi, my name is Donna Bedard. I'm 62 years old and uh, I have dystonia in my neck. When I was first diagnosed, if you looked at me, I would have my head leaning on my left shoulder and that's the way I'd have to walk and talk and do my work and dress in the morning and have a shower. For those of us that aren't familiar with dystonia, it is a movement disorder that causes involuntary muscle contractions, and it can be localized to one part of the body, or it can spread throughout your entire body. Donna tells us a little bit more about the physical day-to-day challenges of having dystonia. I could move, I could prop my head up with my hand, or I could use a soft collar or a pillow, or something wrapped around my neck to try to prop it up. But I also have a tremor as well, so there would be some movement of my head. Walking was pretty challenging because your head is going one way and your body wants to go another, so there was lots of bumping into walls. Now it's less. When this first started over 30 years ago for me, that's the way I lived on a daily basis until I was diagnosed from a neurologist. That took over a year and a half to two years until I found a neurologist that actually deals with movement disorder. And that happened about 29 to 28 years ago until I was diagnosed. An important thing to remember about people with physical and mental disabilities is that sometimes they can just happen overnight, like with Donna's case, and sometimes there's a slow and gradual buildup until there's a disability that can be diagnosed and cured or treated. Someone who can speak as a pillar of support to our disabled community is our next guest, Chandra McLeod from the YWCA. Here she is. 
So my name is Chandra and I'm a service coordinator with the YWCA Edmonton. Previous to that, my past 14 years of experience were as a frontline worker working directly with individuals that we support. The YWCA is a not-for-profit agency. We rely on donations and fundraisers to help offset our service delivery costs. Each individual is funded through the government by programs like FSCD, PDD, and we also work closely with the governments of the Yukon and the Northwest Territories for those in our care who come from the North. With Chandra's many years of being a support worker, she is also able to help us actually define the term disability. A disability is any condition that can affect a person's physical, mental, or emotional abilities, making certain tasks or activities more challenging. Disabilities can be temporary or permanent and may vary in their impact on an individual's daily life. This can include conditions such as difficulty with mobility, vision, hearing, cognition, communication, or their emotional well-being. Disabilities are diverse and unique to each person, and they can require different forms of support or accommodations to help individuals fully participate in society. So that is a definition that I have for myself. That's what disability means to me. Um, and I've written in a way to, I hope, honor people and their disabilities. Chandra's time as a support worker has made her well-versed in appropriate language to use when engaging with and on behalf of the disabled community, beyond the word disability by itself. Here's her take on language and conversations with people living with disabilities. First and foremost, communication should be respectful to a person with disabilities. It is without a doubt that words matter. The words we use to refer to a person with disabilities shape the perception of the world. Language evolves over time, and terms that were commonly accepted years ago are no longer acceptable. Inappropriate language can not only offend people or make them feel excluded, but may amount to discrimination and impinge on the rights and enjoyment of the person with a disability. I would highly suggest looking at the United Nations Disability Inclusion Strategies, specifically the Disability Inclusive Language Guidelines. There has been some debate about using person-first language versus identity-first language when speaking about a disability. As a non-disabled person myself, I do not wish to speak over those with a disability on what they prefer. It is very much a personal preference, and it's best to ask the individual what they prefer. Person-first language emphasizes the person before the disability. An example of that would be a person who is deaf or a person with autism, whereas identity-first language puts the disability first, an autistic individual, a deaf person. With that said, person-first language is most often used in formal writing. There are also negative phrases to be avoided, such as suffers with, afflicted by, victim of, stricken with. These phrases can be especially damaging. When someone is successful or using terms like has overcome their disability or is courageous, which implies the person is courageous because of having disability. When Chandra talks about what language is appropriate to use when speaking to someone living with a disability, she points out the fact that it is personal preference of the person that you are having a conversation with. While Chandra speaks about her experience as a non-disabled person, she recognizes the importance of listening to the disabled community. Part of that is knowing their stories as well, because no two are the same. Donna's story is an incredible one that speaks to her resilience. 
Now we'll hear her talk about the first steps in her diagnosis and how her whole life changed going forward from that point. 30 years ago, it was tough because there wasn't um, a lot of doctors in the Edmonton area. They just didn't know what I had. My family doctor, I would go visit her and some days my head would be literally on my shoulder and some days it wouldn't. Depending on the day and how much tremor I would have or how much twisting. I would go to the gym all the time and I really tried to look after myself. I never smoked. So I was really health conscious. And so when my neck started showing the twisting and um, leaning on my left shoulder, I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what. And nobody in my family had any of these type of symptoms. I was relieved that I knew that I had something and it was diagnosable. But it was a shock because there's no cure. There's treatments for this dystonia. And the treatments that I was given at the time or advised that I could try, one, to do nothing. Another one to do um, oral medication. Another one would be to do botulism toxin. I had a young child at home. I was still working at the time, so I had to go off of that. The last choice for me was getting botulism toxin injected into my neck. And the problem with that was at my job, I would deal with um, infantile botulism or any kind of botulism from cases in Edmonton. So if you deal with botulism at that time, you had to be injected with Botox A, B, C, D, and F to build up antibodies in case when you were dealing with a specimen, you pricked your finger or somehow ingested it. There's a bit of irony. From what Donna tells us about her story is that botulism toxin is a very useful toxin that can be used to help relax muscles in her neck because of dystonia. But while Donna was working in the provincial laboratory, she had to build an immunity to botulism toxin, so that in case the toxin was ingested, she would not have parts of her nervous system paralyzed. This is one of the unique treatments that people living with dystonia have to go to sometimes just to have control over their own movements. Chandra and Donna both have heard and experienced stories of people living with their disabilities over their lifetimes. And they have some ideas of what can help diminish some of the barriers that our disabled community faces. First, let's hear from Chandra about some of the barriers that need to be mitigated. Many public spaces, buildings, and transportation systems are not fully accessible. And it makes it incredibly hard with someone with mobility impairment to navigate their surroundings independently. And oftentimes, with the help of a carer, these spaces can still be difficult to navigate. Social stigma. Negative stereotypes and misconceptions about disabilities can lead to social isolation and discrimination. People with disabilities may struggle to be seen as capable and equal members of society. Limited employment opportunities. People with disabilities often face barriers to employment, including biases, lack of accommodations, and unacceptable workplace. This can result in a higher level of unemployment or underemployment rates. A big one right now is healthcare disparities. Access to healthcare, appropriate medical equipment, and healthcare providers who understand the specific needs of individuals with disabilities can be a very challenging find. And then there's communication barriers, which we already touched on. 
As previously mentioned, those with communication impairments may experience challenges in effectively expressing themselves, accessing information, which can affect their ability to make choices and decisions. There's also educational inequities. Access to quality education that accommodates different learning needs can be limited, especially in rural areas, leading to gaps in educational opportunities and outcomes. We also need to talk about financial strain. Oftentimes, those with disabilities are living on a very fixed income. The cost of disability-related medical expenses, assisted devices, and caregiving can place financial stress on individuals and their families. Government assistance, it's there, but it's not always sufficient. And then there's the fact that they are really dependent on others in some cases. And they may require assistance with daily tasks, which can lead to a sense of dependence on a caregiver and impact their sense of autonomy. There's also some mental challenges that go along with having a disability. The experience of living with a disability can be emotionally and mentally taxing and does tend to lead to higher rates of depression and anxiety. Transportation difficulties are kind of amazing, actually. There's accessible transit options can be really limited or unavailable. And even if they are, they can be very costly, making it challenging for someone to travel independently attend their appointments, or participate in community activities. And because of all those things, social isolation, because of limited access, social stigma and lack of accommodation can contribute to social isolation and hinder development of social relationships and support networks. There's also a barrier to accessible information. Information technology and websites are not always designed with accessibility in mind. And discrimination and prejudice Individuals with disabilities may face discrimination in various aspects of their life, from their employment to their social interactions, leading to inequity and a sense of being treated unfairly. Because of her diverse clientele base, Chandra is able to describe a very broad set of accessibility barriers to us, from things she has witnessed secondhand. Donna is able to give us her unique firsthand experience of what kind of social barriers she faced since her diagnosis. You stand out in the crowd. I never like to stand out in the crowd. I always like to, you know, just to blend in. And during the first years, it was rough to go for groceries. I just felt like I was under the microscope everywhere I went. I couldn't explain to people. Some people thought I was on drugs or I was drunk because they didn't know what I had. Even though I, I, if, if they did give me the opportunity to tell them, some people just, didn't understand. They would just say, okay, try to distance themselves from me. That was rare, but it still happened and it hurt. Donna was also able to speak her thoughts on what can be physically improved upon in society to assist people living with dystonia. Here's what she had to say. With some of the people that have dystonia, they are in wheelchairs. They, and they, sometimes they have to use a walker. So Door handles that are lever rather than knobs sometimes help. Ramps definitely help. Elevators help as well. Um, in parks, making sure that the sidewalks are big enough for people walking or people in a wheelchair. Same thing in schools or public buildings at work. Uh, making sure that if, if a person can go to work, that the desk, their desk is at the right height, the computer is at the right height as well. And also, if somebody has to take breaks, for me, sitting sometimes, I can't sit that long. 
because I get the, the, the spasms happen. So I have to keep moving. So if you do have an employer that they recognize this and that it wouldn't be a problem for them. Donna sparks an important topic of conversation about supporting people with disabilities in the workplace. Chandra also spoke earlier about how there are barriers to the workforce for the disabled community, such as discrimination, inaccessibility, and lack of accommodations. According to the Edmonton Community Foundation, People living with disabilities have much lower employment rates, about 60%, compared to people not living with disabilities, which is about 80%. And in 2015, the median after-tax income for women with severe disabilities was about $17,000, compared to women without disabilities, which was almost double at $34,000. Here's Donna's experience in the workforce as someone living with a disability. When I didn't have a diagnosis and I knew something was wrong, the employer would just think, okay, do you really have something? Because some days you're showing up and you're okay, and some days you're not okay. And so I think if you're up higher, it would be like, oh, you must really have something. Whereas in my case, when you're not at the top, sometimes people just don't believe you, even though you are telling the truth. A big part of what plays into the discrimination towards people living with disabilities is a lack of knowledge in society about disabilities. The best way to learn about disabilities is to talk to the people living with them. Chandra gives us some insight as to how we can be more positively involved in the lives of people we know who are living with disabilities. I think first and foremost, we all just need to take a minute and honor one another's humanity. And I think that's a great place to start to see the individual as human and understand that they have needs and wants and desires that are not unlike our own. On a bigger setting, do I have the answers to fix these things? I don't. But I do think in speaking to people with disabilities, hearing what they're saying, and going from there, we could make the world a lot more disability inclusive. And just society as a whole to just just take some time be a little more patient. In my line of work, a lot of our frontline staff are about community inclusion. And to you and me, a trip to the dollar store, a trip to the zoo, it's not that important. But for that individual, it means the world. They're participating. And anytime a person has the ability to participate in something that they couldn't, that's a win in my books. Can I speak to a specific individual? I mean, they're all successful in their own way. And so maybe that day they just woke up and they're in a better mood because they know someone's coming to hang out with them. That's a win. Maybe they've found a new word or a new way to communicate. That's a win. Disability isn't necessarily something that needs to be cured. I mean, I don't see that as being the benchmark of success. We can take little moments and those are successful moments because it's had an impact on the individual's life. Chandra also takes time to mention that a disability being cured is not a benchmark of success in a person's life. Donna takes that and expands on it regarding her own experience and also talks about the importance of speaking to people living with disabilities as unique individuals. I know we can't change everything, but when we can change things to make things better for people with a disability or some kind of disorder, help them. Help the group Education, it always comes down to education, that we have to let the the group 
lead. What do they need? And then the people that are making the changes will have to take the advice of the people with the disorder. Not everything can be changed at once. It's a slow process. I understand that. But if we take baby steps, it's the start of something. And people will feel more at ease to talk about their disability or what their needs are. If somebody is showing any kind of kindness or any kind of attempt to help them through their daily activities, whatever they may be. So educating people, the top of the list, making it inclusive. We're not all the same, but we can make it so we can participate. Maybe not the same as somebody with uh, that doesn't have a, a disability, but we can make it so they can be part of whatever it is, sporting, a housing situation, going even for groceries, like I say, making things not accessible in a store, going to the dentist to make it, make life not such a challenge for these people. Being part of positive change for the disabled community is about being an active listener and advocate. Chandra shares what she does to help uplift people living with disabilities and gives us some ideas of how the rest of society can better educate ourselves. They are people just like you and me. They just might need a little more time to understand, a little more time to express themselves, a little more space to get around. And sometimes we don't need to acknowledge the fact that they're disabled at all. We just need to share space with them and enjoy them for the beautiful humans that they are. So to my knowledge, there are some disability studies now offered through Grant McEwen. Even within my job, there's a lot of training available to our staff that isn't necessarily like a disability services diploma. There's stuff like nonviolent crisis intervention, MANT training, WIMIS. There's all sorts of training that you can take as well as just self-guided. If you're interested in sign language, there's so many different YouTube tutorials. Education is only one part of building a more inclusive community for people living with disabilities. Chandra and Donna share how to help build up these inclusive communities. Here's Chandra's take. Practice your active listening skills. Give the person your full attention, maintain eye contact, and show that you are engaged in the conversation. And please don't pretend to understand. Let the person know you're having difficulty. Try and clarify by asking them yes or no questions. When speaking to someone with a disability, it is important to treat each person as an individual and to show them the same respect and consideration you would anyone else you're interacting with. And here's Donna to speak to the importance of community and her own unique identity. My disability is only a part of me, and educating everybody at a talk or a brochure or some kind of forum to let them know that this is only a piece of me, not the whole thing. It's still me, and to accept me for what I am now, because there's treatment, but no cure, and you have to move forward. Here are some final words of advice from Donna for other people out there who are living with a disability. Having good people around you, getting support from your doctor, whatever kind of advice he gives you, 
and the medication you should be on. A massage therapist might help you. Your pharmacist might help you. That support helps. Going to meetings helps if, if that, if you have the opportunity to do that. Finding like-minded people that can help you on the road to, there might not be a cure for whatever you have, dystonia being one, but it would be a path to living a fuller life. You can leave the house. You can go for groceries. You might have to go to the same dentist and you explain to your dentist what you have. You explain to your hairdresser what you have and not be embarrassed that you have this disorder or disease because it's only part of you. It doesn't make up your whole person. It's only part of you. In closing, I would just like everyone to know that we're all different. People with disabilities um, sometimes are more different than other people. And if everybody just attempts to help somebody or change a policy or make it that people with different disabilities or disorders can have a, a more fulfilled life, that everybody could be happier. Not everything can change, but as long as everybody's treated with the respect and love that everyone deserves, I think that it would be a happier place. Supporting and listening to the needs of people living with disabilities in our community is vital to our success as society as a whole. Today, we've explored the powerful narratives of resilience, strength, and unwavering spirit within the disabled community. Remember, it's not about overcoming disabilities, but about overcoming barriers. Barriers of perception, of access, and of support. Let's continue fostering a world where every voice is heard, every talent celebrated, and every person valued for their unique contribution. Shout out to Chandra for the incredible work she has done over the many years of her career as a champion ally for the disabled community. And a special thanks to my mom, Donna, for sharing her story and continually advocating on behalf of people living with dystonia. Thank you for joining us on this enlightening journey. Until next time, let's continue to strive together for a more inclusive and compassionate world. Listeners, if you'd like to follow our guests on social media, learn about their organization, and check out the resources mentioned in this episode, all these links are listed in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Peace Out Poverty's second episode of the third season. This episode was hosted and written by myself, Alex Bedard. Interviews were done by myself and Fevin Waretti. This episode was produced by Castria. Gen Next is a volunteer committee of United Way of the Alberta Capital Region. If you'd like to learn more or find out how you can be a part of the movement of changemakers to make sure no one is left behind, visit myunitedway.ca.